All right, hey guys, how you guys doing? Woo! How you guys doing? You guys doing good? All right, I want, I, I want, I want to show a hands on this. I want to show a hands on this. How many of y'all are a little bit tired? All right, out of those who raise their hand, how many of it is because the sun drained all the energy? Oh, and man, and I love the sun too. Uh, I'm not tired. Uh, I'm jacked up. I've been up since 5.15 this morning, and uh, so I'm just jacked. And, uh, I would love to give it. If I found a way of giving it, I would totally do it. Uh, I found this. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Um, but, like, when you actually, like, get a good night's sleep, you, like, just, like, naturally wake up earlier. And, uh, no, it's actually not true. Uh, I sleep with my curtains open right now, so the sun is up, like, before 5, and it's, it wakes me up every morning, which is awesome. And uh, so if you guys ever need energy, wake up really early, and then you get natural energy from the sun. It's so cool. It's not even scientifically proven. I just made that up. How you guys doing, though? You guys doing good? Yeah. You guys, like, ish? You guys doing all right? Yeah? Uh, highlight highlight of someone's week. Just one. Olivia, what was the highlight of your week? Um, I thought I failed in my midterms and I got 88 on it. All right. There you go. All right. All right. All right. Well, um, open your Bibles, guys. We're just going to dive right in. Um, we've got a lot of room to cover tonight. Uh, what's nice is you guys are tired, but y'all are still talking, which is cool. Um, but uh, we got a lot of room to cover tonight. So I want you guys like undivided attention. How's that sound? Yeah? Great. How many of you guys feel like taking notes? Uh, oh. Got a few note takers in the house. How many of you guys have been taking notes for like the last like 14 weeks? Me. Yeah? Okay, here's the cool thing. If you have not been taking notes the last 14 or so weeks, um, the reason why I ask is because we've been in a series that long. Uh, and the series has been uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, not because I think I'm a good preacher, uh, but because I think the book of Ephesians just rocks. Um, and, and if you guys, how many of you guys have been here for the majority of Ephesians? I'd say probably half of you guys have been here for the majority of Ephesians. Um, if you like Ephesians, if you like what we've learned so far, you just want to like say thank you Jesus and make a little bit of noise. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, a little bit of noise. Awesome. Um, how many of you guys can just remember, uh, because tonight is the end of Ephesians. We are finishing the book of Ephesians tonight. And so I'm going to just talk real quickly about uh, our next few series that we're going to do. I'm going to do that before we dive in. Uh, but how many of you guys remember what the theme of the book of Ephesians is? If you remember what the theme is, just let me know by raising your hand. You guys got to be a little bit, a little bit into it tonight. Anyone remember it? All right. The art of the Christian. Okay, so, so, so that's like unpacking what the theme is. The theme of Ephesians is new life, right? The life of the believer, okay? Uh, and Ephesians is a blueprint for how a, so, someone who follows Christ, someone who professes to be a Christian, the book of Ephesians is literally a blueprint, uh, a how-to book. Uh, this is Christian Walk for Dummies uh, and for the Smart. Uh, Ephesians really is... Um, if you can read one book and be like, all right, how do I live as a believer? Uh, read the book of Ephesians and then continue to read the rest of the Bible. But Ephesians is a great uh, jumping block for it. We, we compared the book of Ephesians to the Grand Canyon uh, or to Death Valley or uh, to Arches National Park or just some beautiful place 
that is a that is just a huge view, an amazing view. And, and the reason why we did that is because the book of Ephesians uh, really gives us the view of what a Christian life looks like from start to finish. It legitimately starts with how we were. Ephesians chapter 3, we were dead, we were in darkness, but God came, showed us love, died for us, and now we have life in him, and, and it's eternal life. And so um, it gives us the whole spectrum. And we can see all throughout different parts uh, of the believer's life. Now, uh, it breaks down for us. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does a really good job when he writes uh, his epistles, which are letters to churches in the first century. Um, and, and he does a really good job under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to really break it into three distinct parts for us. Okay? Um, the first part is talking about the riches of the believer, the richness that we have as being children of Christ, being in the body, um, what it means in those riches that we have. It's the spiritual blessings, the spiritual gifts, the spiritual abundance that we have because of what Jesus has done for us. And we talked a lot about that, like a lot about that. We spent uh, probably five weeks talking about those. Um, and the nice thing is, if you've missed any of it, uh, come see me because we have recordings of it all. Okay, And we're going to make in the next probably month available for you guys a whole CD set uh, of our services. We uh, record worship. We record it all. It's a good time. So you guys want to... Um, you guys want to get those. Uh, the nice thing is we don't care about money, uh, so they're free. We're just going like, to throw them out to you guys, and it's going to be a good time. But I encourage you guys, uh, continue to, to listen to it and to, to get to know what the book of Ephesians is all about because uh, Ephesians really is going to be a good diving board for you guys as you guys are sharing your faith with people as well because they're going to be dead, but God, via you, is going to help bring them into life. Okay, uh, and, and it's, it's really good to know what God's Word has to say. So the next part, uh, kind of the middle part of the book of Ephesians, the first part is the riches, the second part is the reflections of the believer. And we've been spending the last uh, five or so, nine weeks or so, um, really talking about what the reflections of the believer are to be. Because if we have these riches, if we are living in the fullness that God has for us, we are going to be reflecting some things. Now, what is that thing we are reflecting? Uh, if it is not God, if it is not Jesus Christ, uh, then we are not doing a good job, and we are being hypocritical, uh, and that's not good. Okay? When people look at us, they should see Christ. Okay? And we talked uh, at length a few weeks ago what it really means to reflect Christ with the way that we live our lives. Um, and so uh, I really want to just encourage you guys with those things uh, because what it means to walk as a believer. Not only are we operating in the richness that we have, but we must reflect Christ. And I can't uh, hammer that home um, anymore uh, or actually I can't hammer it down enough. Uh, we need to reflect Christ in everything that we do. Uh, and lastly, uh, we haven't covered any of this portion, but it's the last chapter and we're going to hit it up tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the readiness of the believer. What do, what do I mean when I say readiness? Uh, I mean uh, when we are living in the riches, when we are reflecting okay, Christ, um, we're going to come under some opposition. Because <coughs> if you guys know, which I'm sure all of you know, uh, there is a very real enemy in this world, okay? Uh, Satan is a real thing, okay? And uh, he does not like it when God's kingdom is furthered, okay? Uh, how is God's kingdom furthered? It's furthered when we 
living and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit are witnesses for Jesus, which in doing so we are reflecting Jesus. And so when we're doing that, the devil's not happy, so he's going to try and come against us. And there's two ways, well, there's really more than two, but, but two that we're really going to approach tonight. There's two ways that the enemy tries to attack us. Number one is he uses people, okay? Um, and, and, and he uses uh, discouragement. He uses uh, people to come against you and really just try to argue with you. He uses people uh, who maybe even mean well, uh, but they bring you down, okay? Um, he uses people to be opposition. My brand comes and shares his faith. Uh, and I'm just a belligerent Yahoo, and I just, like, make fun of him and persecute him and put him through trials and tribulations. That's what it's like in America. In other countries, he brings people along who have guns and put people in jail, who kill people um, for the name of Jesus. And so it's crazy uh, what the devil can use through people, but he doesn't only use people. Because how many of you guys know we live in a natural world, okay? But God exists in a supernatural world. Now, he comes into our world and all that good stuff, but there's a very real supernatural realm as well, okay? And the enemy comes against us in the supernatural realm as well. Now, are we going to talk tonight about exorcisms and demon possessions and all that kind of stuff? No, we're not, okay? <laughs> but that stuff is real, okay? There is real demons, okay? Now, here's the little disclaimer. Um, if you are a Christian, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot be possessed by a demon. Okay, we'll just get that question out of the way. You cannot. Okay? But demons can't oppress. Okay? So there's a difference between possess and oppress. Okay? So things can happen to really kind of get you down. And there's a spiritual battle that's going on. Okay? Uh, and as we're going to read tonight, that the weapons of our warfare when it comes to spiritual, they're not physical, they're not man made. Um, and so we've got to know how to use our spiritual weapons to combat the evil forces of the enemy. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're really going to unpack that tonight. We're really going to look at what that means uh, for us to be ready as believers. Before we do that, I just want to let you guys know in advance what our next uh, two series are going to be. Does that sound good to you guys? Uh, so for the next four weeks, uh, starting um, not next week, okay, because I'm out of town next week, um, but the following week, uh, we're going to be starting a series. Uh, it's a four-week series. It's only four weeks. You only have to hear me talk about this topic for four weeks. Yeah, everyone said amen. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what, what, uh, what the Holy Spirit is uh, uh, in the Trinity. We're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit is in the church. We're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit is in the believers, uh, what the Holy Spirit has been through history. Uh, we're going to talk about the extremes and the extremes and how people uh, overplay things and uh, how man can take control and then how people suppress and say there's nothing there. Uh, and we're going to try and just really figure out what the Bible has to say about it uh, and, and, and really make it clear uh, where we as a fellowship stand uh, on this. Because uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit through the book of Ephesians a lot. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit all the time. Uh, and so I just want to make it clear to you guys because I know uh, 14 weeks ago we talked a little bit uh, about it in one of our Ephesians sermons. I just remember I got a lot of blank stares. Uh, and that's totally okay, uh, because here's the nice thing about uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's not confusing, okay? Uh, man is confusing, uh, and man likes to confuse. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is normal. He's not not normal. He's not goofy. He's not weird. Um, so when you see weird stuff, it's not the Holy Spirit, because uh, the Holy Spirit is normal, uh, and the Holy Spirit is biblical. Uh, and so we're going to just talk about those things. And then after those four weeks, we're going to dive into a study. Um, 
I like to say it's going to be a quick study, but quick study uh, is a very uh, large understatement. We're going to try and tackle the book of John, uh, not Third John, which is short, not Second John, which is short, not even First John, which is like kind of short. Uh, we're going to tackle the Gospel of John, uh, and we're going to talk a lot about it. There's a lot of stuff to cover there. Uh, so I just hope you guys are prepared. We're going to try and do John this summer, and so then come fall we can uh, move on. Uh, but John is an epic book, uh, and so I really want you guys, in conjunction with that, the next few weeks, just read through the book of John, so that when we start the series in five weeks from now, you guys will be kind of fresh on what the book of John has to say. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys all kind of, you guys are like, okay, sweet, I understand what's coming, so I'm, I'm a little bit, okay. Now we're going to just dive into the book uh, of Ephesians. We're going to finish this thing tonight. Uh, I understand the sunlight is still out, and I understand that it's 750 and if I can finish on time, there's still going to be some sun, so you guys can like go outside and hang out. It'll be fun. Um, so we're really, um, there's a lot to cover, um, but I think we can cover it pretty fast, okay? And I think we can do a good job covering this. So uh, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. When you get to Ephesians chapter 6, let me know by saying holla. Uh, if you're not there, let me know by saying hold up. All right, everyone is in Ephesians 6. Here we go. We are going to be picking up. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Okay, everyone in verse 10? All right, here we go. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, and we'll can hear that word, of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of darkness uh, of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand uh, in the evil day and having done so to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end which, uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance uh, may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing. Here's a name for you guys. Name all your kids this. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, that he may comfort your hearts, peace to you, brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Sincerely, amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word uh, is living and active. God, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces through the bone and the marrow uh, into our soul and to our spirit, God. And so we just pray tonight that your word would penetrate our hearts. And God, that you, by your word, would just reveal truth to us. God, that we'd be able to take something home from tonight. Uh, God, that we would be able to apply truth today, uh, tomorrow, the rest of this week. Uh, God, we pray that your word, uh, God, would encourage us. 
God, uh, that your word would encourage us in our walk, your word would encourage us in our lives, God, in the situations we're going through, the circumstances we may be in, God, that your word would encourage us, God, not only that it would encourage us, but that it would inspire us, God, and we would be inspired to live for you, we would be inspired to live uh, alongside you, God, we, that we would be inspired to be about our Father's business, uh, to be on your mission, not on our own mission, but on your mission, and your mission is to seek and to save the lost. God, and may your word challenge us. Tonight, God, may we be challenged by what your word has to say. That as we take a look at what it means to be ready as a believer, what it means to be ready uh, to combat spiritual forces um, that are in heavenly places, God, we just pray uh, that you, uh, God, would just strengthen us. God, and as we are challenged by what your word has, uh, God, that we would not stand in fear, but knowing that uh, you do not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So, God, we just thank you and we praise you. God, I pray that none of these would be my words, but, God, that you would speak through me. Only your perfect words would come through. Uh, anything that would be of me may it fall in deaf ears or may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth. So, God, we just thank you. And we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, a familiar portion of Scripture to a lot of us. How many of you guys have ever heard of the armor of God before? All right, let me know by raising your hands. It's okay to raise your hands in church. Um, if you've not heard of the armor of God, hey, now you have. We're going to talk about it tonight. Um, but Paul talks about a lot of stuff. He talks about kind of some big stuff in here. Uh, so, some parts that make us scratch our heads. We're like, what's a principality? Like, what does it even mean? Uh, and, 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 and so we're going to kind of cover some of these things tonight. Uh, but I think to do in, in the fashion that we love to do so much here, uh, we're just really going to go verse by verse. I'm, I don't have any fun stories for you guys tonight. Uh, I don't have any cool ins and outs. Uh, we're just going to go verse by verse, really talk about what God's Word has to say. So we're going to look at these verses, we're going to unpack these verses, and we're going to move right on to the next verse. How's that sound? You guys like that? I like that too. Here we go. This is what it says. Finally, this is verse 10, my brethren... Okay, so Paul coming to the end of his letter, okay, as we are coming to the end of our series tonight. So if I, in honor of Paul, can I, I'll just say to you guys, finally, brethren and sisterin, um, that's not even a word, uh, we're going to finish this thing. And he says this, he says, stand strong in the Lord. That's kind of cool. Be strong in the Lord, but he doesn't just stop there. He says, and in the power of his might. What does this mean? Be strong in the Lord and in the, stand in the power of His might. What does this mean? Okay, uh, I think very uh, literally, um, it means we have power. I think very literally, it means we have might. And I think very literally, it means uh, we have strength. Uh, now, am I talking about physical strength? Some of us have more physical strength than others. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual strength. I'm talking about spiritual might. I'm talking about spiritual power. How can I say these things? Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus says, All authority, all power has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Right? Okay, so God's got the power. How do I know we have the power? What does the very last part of Matthew chapter 28 say? And lo, I am with you always. So we got Jesus on our side. Okay? Jesus is with us, and now him with us, he's saying, go with the power that I have. So we have the might and the power of Jesus. Now, does that mean we're God's, like, Thor, and we can do our own thing and stuff? No, I'm not saying that, okay? But you got the power of God 
living inside of you. Mm -hmm. How can I say that? Well, Jesus, when he was with the disciples, he told them, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit has been drawn you. Okay? Then he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? And, and, and the Holy Spirit has power and might. But then what does he say to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit draws. The Holy Spirit uh, it comes into our life at conversion. But then there is a second thing that takes place. It is when we are baptized in the Spirit and we receive the power that comes. What is the power? The power is to be witnesses. It's not a power to jump buildings in a single bound, be faster than a speeding bullet, birds a plane. No. That's tracking Superman, right? Okay. Uh, that's not what the power is for, okay? The power is to be a witness for God. So when it says here, when it says, stand strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, what it legitimately is meaning, it does not mean go Hulk smash on things, it means stand strong, be strong in the power of the Lord. And what is the power of the Lord? It's to be a witness. It's saying, hey, hold your ground in a world that's trying to bring you down. Hold your ground in a world that's trying to bring you down. If you want to write that down and tweet that, whatever, that's okay. But I think that's good. Okay? Stand strong, hold your ground in a world that's trying to bring you down. Okay, because here's the deal. When the world comes against you, what do you do? You stand strong in the power that comes from God. What is the power? It's to be a witness. When the world comes against you with anything, that is the most opportune time for you to share Jesus. So often in our society, so often uh, in the world in general, when you are faced with opposition, the number one thing to do is to get ready to defend, Right? But how many people, when they get ready to defend, in most cases, they turn their back and they run, right? When you face opposition, okay, a lot of times people retreat, people run. They go to regroup, okay, which sometimes is a great thing. You go or you retreat because you're not ready, you regroup, you build up your army, and then you go attack. But here's the deal, okay, because we can do that in the church as well. We can do that as Christians. When the world comes against us, we're like, ah, we run to church, and we're like, okay, I'm just going to hide in church, right? Okay, but no, the Bible tells us be ready when they come against you with a defense, with an answer for the hope that you have. So we as believers, and we're going to get, we're really going to unpack this next concept in just a few minutes. Uh, but we as believers need to know how to give a defense. We need to be ready when the world comes against us so that we stand strong in the power, right, of God. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I'm not going to jump ahead of myself here. But the next verse, it says, put on the whole armor of God. Right? And it says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Didn't have to wait that long. It's in the next verse. How do we equip ourselves with the power of God so that we can stand? We put on the full armor of God so we can stand against the devil. So not just when people come against you, but when the devil. Now, does that mean that Satan himself is going to pick one of you guys or he's going to go after all of you at once? Well, first off, the devil can't go at all of us at once, okay? Because the devil cannot be all places at once. The devil is a fallen angel. He can only be at a specific place at one time, okay? So I could be at my house tonight, and let's say someone else is in Africa. We're not going to be both being attacked by the devil at the same time. Does that make sense? The devil's not all places at all times. But he's got some folks who do some things for him, Okay? Uh, and there's demonic forces, and we're just going to take a look at this list. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay? That means we don't wrestle against human beings. 
Now, some of you would be like, oh, I feel like I could wrestle pretty good. Um, and yes, you might be able to, but we're not wrestling against humans. We're wrestling against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. What does this mean? It means we wrestle against evil spiritual forces. We wrestle against demons. We wrestle against fallen angels. We wrestle against evil powers. What does that mean? Does that mean we go all Constantine on them with like a cool crossbow and hunt demons? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay? We wrestle against forces that are unknown to us. And how do we do battle with these forces? We're cruising here. That's what it says in verse 13. It says, therefore, when you see therefore in the Bible, what do you ask? What's it there for? Therefore, being that we have all these enemies that we are fighting against, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil and having done all. To stand. To stand. Standing strong for the Lord is very key. Okay? And we need to stand. And this is what it says in verse 14. It says, stand, therefore. So what's therefore, therefore? It's saying stand, therefore, because we have to stand. Stand because you have to stand. Does that make sense? I mean... Paul's kind of driving this home, but literally what this is saying is it means stand, so stand. God commands us to stand, so stand. Withstand, stand, stand therefore. Driving at home, we got to stand. Because how many of you guys know, in life, uh, especially on a day where it's super sunny and maybe you've been out walking or you've been doing stuff, it's really easy to sit down, right? How many of you guys know in our world, especially in America, it is easy to sit down? Right? Uh, not only is it easy to sit down, but in America, it's easy to sit back, recline, relax. Um, but how many of you guys know uh, relaxation can be the place of weakness? When we're sitting, when we're relaxed, we're also at our weakest point. Now, I mean that both spiritually and I mean that physically as well. How many of you guys know, um, especially if you're leaning back? Let's say Dusty was right here and he's leaning back in his chair. He's very vulnerable, so I can just pull his shoulders down and he can fall on the ground. But if he's standing, stand up, Dusty, I'll just use you as an example. I can't really pull Dusty around. He's kind of a stout guy. I can't pull him. I might be able to pull Dusty, but I couldn't pull John, right? Sorry, Dusty. It's nothing against you. I'm just a little bit bigger than you. But uh, when you're sitting, it's easier for you to fall. Why is it easier for you to fall? One, because balance, but two, because you're closer to the ground. How many of you guys know when you're sitting, when you're laying, you're closer to the ground? It's easier to fall when you're already there, right? If you're laying, you're already, you've already lost. So we're to stand. Stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. <laughs> How many of you guys wake up in the morning and you say, I'm going to gird my waist? Every morning. Every morning. Every morning. Uh, you gird your waist before you brush your teeth. That's awesome. Uh, how many of you guys, be honest, how many of you do not know what gird your waist means? Be honest. All right. I got a few hands, and then I know there's a few of you who didn't raise your hand. Like, I don't want to raise my hand. Uh, yeah, gird is not a word that we use very much. Uh, but how many of you guys have ever worn a belt? Right? All right. There we go. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're uh, lying. Uh, but no, a belt, okay? Uh, in ancient times, uh, the phrase would be gird your loins, okay? Your loins being uh, 
your, your middle section of your body from like your knees up to your belly button, okay? That would be your loins. We'll just leave it at that. And girding your loins means covering them, but also securing so things aren't going to fall down, okay? Um, there's some people who need to gird their loins today because their pants are a little low and they're looking like a fool with their pants on the ground. Uh, but we need to gird our loins. Yeah, it's okay to laugh at that joke. That joke. But we need to gird our loins. What that means is we need to have a belt. So spiritually, what is our belt? What is keeping us so our pants aren't falling down? That's a spiritual belt of truth. Now, why does Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, use truth as something to hold up? Okay? Let me break this down just a little bit more for you guys. What he's doing here is he's breaking down the armor of God. The armor that was around at Paul's time, okay? How many of you guys know when Paul wrote this epistle? First century, okay? How many of you guys who are great at history, if you're not great at history, shame on you because I love history, uh, but how many of you guys know a major world power that was in operation during the first century A.D.? Anyone? Any military power that was great in the first century A.D.? Yeah, the Romans! The Romans! How many of you guys have ever seen Gladiator? It's only like one of the greatest movies of all time, okay? And it's one of the few movies I will endorse from the pulpit. It's a great movie. Uh, it's got some theology that's bad, but uh, uh, Roman soldiers, okay? How many of you guys know what Roman soldiers wear? They got like skirts on, not kilts, but they got the skirts on, right? Okay, they got these like little diaper things and this like skirt. And uh, guys, I'm not going to ask you this question because hopefully we don't have any guys in the room who have been wearing skirts. Um, but if we do, that's totally okay. We love you still. Um, but ladies, how many of you guys have ever worn a skirt? And then tried to go sprinting in a skirt. Yeah? yeah. Were you very successful at it? <laughs> it's not very easy to run in a skirt. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to go with like in tennis and lacrosse, they wear sports. Uh, it's, it's, it's a true term. And they did have tennis, and like most like sports have like splits so they can still move their legs, you know? But, uh, I'll do it again. All right. Okay. Uh, but it's hard to run in a skirt. Uh, I don't know from experience, but I can only imagine. Okay. Because I've been somewhere where the lady had to run, kick their high heels off, and then try and run in a skirt. Just a bad situation all around. It just doesn't look very comfortable. Um, so what they would do in ancient times, I don't recommend this, ladies, uh, but what they would do in ancient times was the Romans. They would roll their, they pull their skirt up, roll it up, tuck it in their belt. And when you tuck a skirt in your belt, that means that is literally girding your loins. Why? So they could run. Okay? And they could run fast. And they wouldn't trip. See, how many of you guys know if an army is running, a whole unit, a legion, a thousand dudes is running, and one guy in the middle forgets to gird his loins and he trips, what happens to everyone behind him? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, it's a hundred Roman soldier car pileup. Okay? not a good situation. So they would gird their loins. How do we seriously gird our loins so that we do not trip when we are running through this world? Okay? You remember Paul talks all the time about how our life as a Christian is a run? How do we run as a Christian without tripping when the world comes against us with things to trip on? We gird our loins with truth. So we live in a society that doesn't believe in truth. Okay? How many of you guys knew that our society does not believe in truth? 
Okay? They may say they believe in truth, but what they really don't believe in is absolutes. Okay? We live in a society that's relative. What's true to Dan might not be true to me, but what's true to me might not be true to him. Okay? That's what our society tells us. But let me be the first one. I'm probably not the first one. It's probably a long line of people who have told you this. There is absolutes. And there is absolute truth. And the number one authority on truth is God's Word. If it does not line up with God's Word, I am sorry, but it is not true. Now, are you saying, well, the Revolutionary War isn't in the Bible. Was that true? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about morals. I'm talking about philosophical ideas and ideological whatever, political whatever. If it does not line up with Scripture, then it is untrue. And it is a place for us to trip. And we are not trip because we are put on the belt of truth. Does that sound good? Yeah. So you guys kind of understand your belt? Okay. Uh, how many of you guys are going to roll the pant legs, tuck them into your belt so you can run a little faster? Okay. They invented these things for track people. They're called speed suits. You don't even have to roll it up. It's kind of cool. All right, moving on to the next part. Uh, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Of righteousness. How many of you guys know what a breastplate is? Okay. It's a gigantic metal chunk that covers your chest and your abdomen. Why? So it cannot be penetrated. You have some internal organs in this area in your abdomen, okay? Some pretty important ones, like maybe you've heard of them, the heart, your lungs, a liver, a spleen, a pancreas, a stomach, some intestines. How many of you guys know if those get punctured or cut or start bleeding, it's probably not a good situation for your body? There's a reason God covered them with your ribs and with your muscles and with your skin. Uh, but swords normally penetrate through skin, so we have to put on breastplates. Okay? Uh, there's, how many of you guys know they still use breastplates today? They're just different. They're called bulletproof vests. Okay? And they're made out of, rather than back in this time, bronze and iron. But they're made out of like Kevlar now. Steel, it's really cool. Um, but they protect your heart. Check this out. What does righteousness mean? It means to be righteous. I know you can't define a word with a word. So what is righteous? It means to be like God. What does being like God mean? It means being holy. What does holy mean? It means abstaining from sin. So if a breastplate protects our heart, the breastplate, the bleh, the breastplate is made out of righteousness or holiness. Guys, God wants us to gird ourselves up with holiness so that our hearts are protected. God wants our hearts to be protected. Why? Because God cares for you, and God loves you. And God wants you to stay pure. God wants you to stay holy. God wants you to stay righteous. Jesus himself, he commands his disciples, he commands his followers. So if you put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight, or any time in your life, uh, and you are following Jesus, okay, you are Christ's follower. And he says to his followers, be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Now, be holy, that's kind of a pretty intense thing for God to say to us, because we in and of ourselves cannot be holy. But, remember what it said just a few verses earlier, stand in the power of God. All authority has been given to Jesus. Jesus is with us, so we can be holy because <coughs> Christ is holy. So we need to be sure to put on our breastplate of righteousness so it protects our heart from the things of this world and so we can stay holy. Am I doing time, boys? 
we're cruising. All right. That's what it says. Uh, continuing to move on. Verse 15. Having shod your feet. Okay, I know I asked you about girding your loins. When was the last time you used the phrase, shod your feet? Yeah, no one's used that in this room. Okay, what does shod your feet mean? It means strap up your sandals. Okay, strap up your sandals and tie your shoes. Okay, and what are the shoes that you are to be wearing? Can somebody say Jordans. No, I'm just joking. Um, this is what it says. It says, uh, with your feet shod, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Guys, what this means is wherever we go, how many of you guys know when you're wearing shoes and you're moving, you're probably most likely walking, okay, or running, or doing something, but you are moving with your feet. What this is saying is, hey, have your feet ready to wherever you step, you bring the gospel. So if you were to, like, look at your footprints through, like, spirit eyes, okay, you look back where you've walked, there should be, like, little traces of the gospel everywhere you walked. Okay, what does that mean in your life? literal sense, it means wherever you go, make the most of every opportunity to share Jesus wherever you are. You go to Starbucks, share Jesus. You go to Red Robin, share Jesus. Wherever you go, wherever you, your feet may tread, share Jesus. Now, if you don't want to share Jesus, I encourage you to start walking on your hands for the rest of your life. Because if you follow Jesus, wherever your feet go, you got to bring the gospel. And I know none of you guys are going to walk in your hands. It's a horrible excuse not to share the gospel. Wherever you go, bring the gospel. How does that sound? Right? Sounds great. It's got good application, got good meaning. But how often do we do it? Remember how I prayed before this thing that we'd be challenged by God's word? Um, my prayer and my commission to you and my commission to myself. Wherever you go, bring the gospel. Wherever you go, You never know whose salvation is on the other side of your willingness to obey what God has commanded. What has God commanded? He has commanded, bring the gospel everywhere. Someone's life could be changed. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony of lives being changed because someone said, I'm willing to bring the gospel wherever I go. Wherever I go. You can literally save someone's life. Amen. It's okay to say amen in church. No, I got a little bit yelly and preachy. It's okay to say amen, right? Yeah, come on. Um, here we go. This is what it says in verse 16. Taking above all, taking the shield of faith, that you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. What does this mean? Okay, back in the day, back in the day, uh, enemies would dip their bows, and then not their bows, they dip their arrows, the tips, in pitch and then put it in flame. So they have flaming arrows and they'd be able to pull it back and shoot and then catch on fire. Okay? Not a very good situation. Have any of you ever been caught on fire before? Uh, I do not recommend it. Uh, I haven't had it happen and I pray it never happens. Uh, but they would do this. Okay? Uh, and some of these arrows, uh, I am a Greek and Roman historian by trade, so I know how they did warfare back then. How many of you guys have ever heard of Greek fire before? Anyone ever hear of Greek fire? Okay, it's this gelatinous substance. Does anyone hear that word again? Gelatinous? That's gross. This gelatinous substance that is so flammable, water doesn't put it out, fire extinguishers don't put it out, it like, just burns up. It does not get put out. So on the end of their arrows, they would put like these little pouches, 
that on impact would break and it would like squirt it, okay, and it would catch fire. And so like say I like shot Dan with it and it like hits him, like the fire would normally just be here, but since it like splatters, he's like covered in it. Maybe he got one of his friends behind him and like the fire just like erupts on him, okay. Not a very fun situation. So they would do this, okay. Uh, how did people uh, resist this? Okay, well, in the Roman times, what they would do is they'd get a giant shield. Okay, have, have any of you guys ever seen a Roman shield before? Okay, I'm sure you maybe have seen, like, a knight's shield. It's, like, this big, you know, right? Okay, a Roman shield, Roman shields were five feet high, okay, by about three and a half feet wide. Just a solid chunk of iron, okay? It weighed a good amount. Uh, and and, and it would, they were able to do phenomenal things. So we're going to talk just maybe a little bit about what they were able to do with them. Uh, but when fire arrows would come, they'd put them here. Metal doesn't catch on fire, okay? So they're okay. So before the Romans were around, okay, and before Greek fire was around, people still liked to shoot flames. So what did the Israelites do, and what did ancient people who had shields do back before they had iron? Because how many of you guys know what shields were made out of before iron and bronze? Yeah. Ox hide. Did you say ox hide? Okay. Yeah, cow hide, ox hide. Okay, leather. Okay. <coughs> now they had wooden frames, but it was just a huge strip of leather. And what they would do to make this leather strong is they would let it dry. Okay, and it would get really, really strong, just like hardcore. Like you could hardly penetrate it because it was so strong. Okay. But dried leather is very flammable. So what then they would do was when they realized this, because their shields were all burning. When they go to battle the night before, they would all set their shields in the river on the bank so it would soak up all the water. Because leather, being an organic material, soaks up all the water. So then when they go and the enemy shoots them with fire, the air would stick, start to catch on fire, but since it was so saturated in water, okay, it put it out. And the air went out. Application from this. Okay? What does Jesus say to the woman at the well who's thirsty? He says, I've got living water and you will never thirst again. What was the living water that Jesus had? Himself, the gospel, truth. How do we saturate ourselves in something, Jesus, the gospel, that will extinguish fiery darts? <laughs> Read the book of John. we got to be in the Bible. we got to saturate ourselves in the Bible. Think about that. Because if you're saturated in the Bible, you're going to be able to resist fiery darts. Okay, just a little cool information on Roman shields. Um, Roman shields and the way the Romans put their whole infantry together, we, we don't have time to talk about it in length tonight. <clears throat> but what they would do um, is they would, uh, when enemies came, they would lock up their shields together. They'd lock arms, kind of like the Spartans did, uh, but they'd go from the ground up to the head. And then the group behind them would put their shields over top of them, and they would legitimately make a gigantic box. Okay? And so the application here is each and every single one of us as followers, we can withstand the enemy on our own with our shield. But how many of you guys know that if you are withstanding darts here, darts can come from here? We need one another, just like the Romans needed one another when battle came. So we, if we interlock our shields and we stand with one another when we're going through hard times, we can form this gigantic battle protection system with shields of faith. Now here's the deal. The people in the very back, they didn't do this. They were putting theirs up. So who's protecting the back? Well, the book of Isaiah tells us that God is our rear guard. So we stand together. We would stand 
the attack of the enemy, and God's behind us protecting us there as well. Sound good? Shields. They're amazing things. If you have an opportunity, go on the internet, look up Roman shields, see what they did with them. It's crazy stuff. We don't have time tonight. Holy goodness, we have 10 more minutes. Okay. This is what it says after that. Uh, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Right? Okay. Helmets. How many of you guys know helmets are important? What do they protect? More importantly than your head and your skull, what do they protect? Your brain, yeah. Because without your brain, you're dead. Okay? Uh, salvation protects our mind. Holiness is protecting our hearts. Salvation is protecting our mind. You guys got that? Let me talk about that at another point. But salvation protects our mind. And then what does it say? It says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, the Word of God is a sword. And I want to spend like maybe five minutes talking about the Word of God as a sword. How many of you guys have ever seen a movie where there's a sword fight before? Okay. Um, swinging, bashing, chopping, right? How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where a Christian has swung their Bible around, not literally, but like they start like quoting scripture and like just bashing people down with scripture, right? Slicing people up with scripture, okay? It's a big reason why a lot of people don't go to church because people use the Bible as a broadsword and just like, wow, wipe people's heads off, right? Okay? And they say, well, yeah, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, right? So we've got to slice some people down, okay? I, I understand where they're coming from, uh, but it's not a proper application of the term sword of the spirit. I might rock some of you guys' world tonight, but when it's talking about a sword here, it's not talking about a broadsword. It's not talking about a slashing sword or a stabbing sword, okay? When you look at the literal Greek word that means sword, okay? I'm not even going to try and pronounce it for you. But what it literally translated is, is it is a tool that was in the Roman soldiers' grouping, okay? And it is a dagger, okay? A dagger, okay? So we're talking like this, okay? And what the dagger was used for, what the dagger was used for in the Roman army was not as the attacking weapon. I want you guys to hear this, because this is a part of Scripture that has been misused for centuries as an attack. Okay. Jesus never says attack. He says be ready to give a defense. Okay. But check this out. The dagger was used not as a weapon, but as a field medical tool. So in the field of battle, if a brother got stabbed or, or one of your fellow soldiers got stabbed and got brought down to the ground, maybe got a chunk of arrow stuck in him, or maybe something <coughs> blew up and they got shrapnel, with the Roman soldiers, they were all trained on how to use this dagger for combat medicine. So say my brother gets a chunk of shrapnel in his leg, I was trained to set my shield up to protect us, right? Okay, then to pull out my little dagger, get down on the ground, and start fishing that thing out, doing surgery in the field with this little dagger. Right, Matt, my world's been rocked. Because the application, the application is not for the Bible. I'm glad one person's world is rocked. This rocked my world when I heard this, okay? Because here's the crazy thing. It's not for us to go bashing and attacking the world. Like, ah, take this, shove it down the throat. What it is, is when we get down, when we are going through hard things. And even, here's the cool thing, because at night, in ancient warfare, it was, a, it was a ceasefire, okay? And here's the deal. There's recorded history when the battlefield was so strewn with bodies that were injured, 
where both sides were able to put their differences aside and were able to help one another. So not only do you do medical help on your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but you can do medical help when the enemies needed. Scripture was never used to bash people. That was never God's plan for Scripture to be this attacking weapon to break down people. What it is, it is to help medically fix people. It's very keen that Jesus said the church, the followers of Christ, are likened to a hospital. And it's not those who are well in the hospital, it's those that are sick. What the Bible is to be used for, what Scripture is to be used for, is to rebuild and to build up and to get people back and ready for combat. So, what this means, if you've got a brother or sister who's going through just junk, self-help books are crap. But the Bible's amazing. The Bible is the ultimate authority. And, now you know, it's a medical tool to help build someone back up. So maybe someone let their guard down, set down their shield, didn't realize it, got hit by a fiery dart in their back. You got the Bible to help pull that fiery dart out. Does that make sense? Okay. So I hope that kind of rocks your world like it rocked mine when I first found it out. Because I was like, holy moly, how much bad have I done in the name of Jesus, but really have turned so many people away from the gospel because I misused scripture. Let us realize it's not a William Wallace Claymore, but it's a little surgical scalpel to do the fine-tune work. Okay? Let's be careful and let's be... How many of you guys know? I'm, I'm just going to say this briefly. Like when a surgeon uses a scalpel, uh, they don't go into it like, oh, that person needs help. I must just go try and cut somewhere. Right? Okay? Surgeons are skilled in how they use scalpels. The Roman soldiers were trained how to use these things as if they were surgeons. So as Christians, we need to be surgically trained like a doctor on how to use God's Word. How do we do that? Well, we've got to know what God's Word is. Surgeons practice years. We're talking like 8, 12 years of school on like cadavers before they're able to go actually do a surgery with a scalpel. Okay? Have you ever tried open-heart surgery for the first time? No, none of us have. It would be, it'd be ludicrous if we did. Surgeons know how to use it. We need to practice. We need to know what God's Word has to say. So, like the shield of faith, we need to be saturated in God's Word. Okay? Man, i got four minutes. We're going to just break this down. This is what it says in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Guys, we've got to pray always. Always. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Pray without ceasing. We've talked about that a little bit. Because how many of you guys know... You can't say, dear Jesus, like over and over again, right? Because you're like being in constant prayer in our Western understanding of prayer. Uh, like it's, it's impossible, okay? But what does it say? It says, pray always with all supplications in the Spirit. you got the Spirit of God living inside you. Romans tells us that even through our groans, the Spirit will pray. So you get home from a long day at work, you sit back down in your recliner, you're just like, ugh. Oh, right? Okay, you guys, am I the only one who's done that? Right? <laughs> the Spirit can pray through those things. Okay? So pray always. All right. Persevere to the end. Be watchful. Pray with one another, the saints. Uh, pray for Paul. He's telling the church in Ephesus there, pray for himself, uh, that he may be able to open his mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. This is a prayer we need to pray for each and every single one of each other. Mm -hmm. All of us. You need to pray for everybody, okay?
pray for me. I encourage you. This is like a pastor's favorite verse, okay? Because it's like the verse where he tells the church, pray for me, okay? Because pastors tend to spend a lot of time praying for other people and dealing with a lot of other people's problems. Uh, and pastors need prayer too. This isn't a like pray for me seminar, but pray for your pastors. Pray for Pastor Dave. Pray for Pastor Dennis. Pray for me. For those of you who don't go to Hillside, pray for your pastors also. Your pastors need it. Okay? And then pray for one another. You can all share the gospel effectively. Continuing on, uh, verses 21 through 24. We're going to close with this. Paul just says, hey, I got my buddy Tychicus. He's going to come. He's going to help out uh, with you guys. He's a great teacher. He's going to bring all this information. Tell him everything you need. Bring it back to me with Tychicus. Good stuff. Tychicus was a good guy. We need to be good guys also and good gals also. Because here's the cool thing we can pull home from Tychicus. Uh, it says this, a beloved brother and a faithful minister of the Lord. I want that to be what will be said of every single one of you in this room. A faithful brother and a minister of the Lord. Faithful brother, minister of the Lord. Faithful brother, minister of the Lord. Faithful sister, minister of the Lord. Faithful brother, minister of the Lord. Faithful brother, faithful brother, faithful brother, faithful brother, faithful brother, 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 minister of the Lord. Sister, 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 sister. Faithful ministers of the Lord. May that be the testimony that is said of us. If it's not right now, strive for that. If it is, praise God continuing. Continuing. And then this is how Paul closes this epistle. He says, Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all, those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Bo to come back up here and just play softly in the back. Uh, I'm going to invite you guys to stand as well. Uh, being that Ephesians chapter 6 talked a little bit about standing. Uh, I'm going to invite you guys to stand. Um, and as we stand, uh, I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, and then, Bo, I think it would be just fitting if we sang the song and stand, right? Um, uh, and we're really going to declare that, that we're going to stand. Um, but Paul closes this book with saying, Peace to the brothers. Uh, how many of you guys need peace in your life? Right? Maybe you don't need like a lot of peace now, but how many of you guys know you're going to need peace at some point in your life? Right? Then he goes on to say, uh, love and with faith. How many of you guys need some love in your life right now? Just need a little bit of love. Someone to wrap their arms around you. How many of you guys need a little bit of faith? How many of you guys need a lot of bit of faith? Right? You can never have too much faith. How many of you guys need a little bit of grace? Yeah, I need a lot of bit of grace. Uh, so I'm just going to close with these four things that we're going to pray for. Uh, Paul closes and opens almost every letter with them, so I think they're important to us. Uh, but peace, faith, love, grace, because that's what we need as the body of Christ. So I'm just going to invite you guys to just close your eyes, bow your heads. As we pray for these things, and in praying for these things, let us be preparing ourselves to make a stand. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you that, uh, God, you've given us a, a game plan. You've given us, uh, God, a blueprint for how to live for you. 
God, I pray that as we conclude our series through the book of Ephesians, God, I pray that each and every single one of us will have something that we can take home from this. Uh, God, that it will affect our hearts. It will change our hearts. Um, God, I pray that uh, not only our lives would be changed by what we've learned from the book of Ephesians, uh, but God, those who we are going to come into contact with in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead, God, I pray that the truth that we've learned through your word, God, would just trickle down from us, from people to people, family to family, generation to generation. God, I pray for each and every single person in this room. God, I pray uh, that we would have peace. God, a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that only comes from you. God, for those who are going through trials and tribulations, uh, persecution, God, and uh, just hard times, God, I pray that you give them peace. You would comfort them through those times. God, for those of us who maybe aren't going through anything right now, we're just living life and we're loving every minute of it, God, I pray that you would give us peace as well, God, because there's going to be a time where we need that peace. So, God, we pray and we thank you for your peace. God, may we be peaceful with one another. God, just along with peace, God, may we be merciful to one another. God, we need mercy. God, I pray that each and every single one of us, God, uh, would feel your love. God, regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what we've done, God, you love us. You love us so much. God, words can't even describe how much you love us. So, God, I pray right now for those who need us to feel your love. God, that they would feel your love in a tangible way. You would make known to them the truth of your love. God, I pray for each and every single one of us that we would learn what it means to share your love, to love the way we were first loved by you. God, and may we love one another. God, we thank you for love. God, may we have faith. May our faith be strengthened. God, your word tells us that faith uh, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. God, may we have faith in you. God, may our faith and our trust in you, uh, God, be continually growing. May we not just look for you in the small things, and uh, God, when we don't see you, we just give up. But may we have faith, and may we have faith not only for the small things, but for the big things. God, your word tells us that that we had faith the size of a mustard seed, the smallest seed that we could move mountains. God, I pray that you give us faith, that our faith would be strengthened, our faith would be built up. Your word tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God, I pray that we just dive into your word. As we put on the whole armor of God, when we look at all the different aspects, God, they all come back to your word. God, may we be saturated in your word. And as a result, may our faith be strengthened. God, we thank you for your grace. God, the free gift that you've given us of salvation. The sacrifice that you made in our place. God, we thank you for grace. God, may we also be gracious. So God, with these things, with peace, with love, with faith, with grace, God, may we stand. Like the song says, may we stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. God, and that's you. So may we stand because you told us to stand. So 
God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.